Drugs, makeup, excess. Hey, welcome one and all to the Sunset Strip people on this very special episode of the Track One Side One podcast. I'm your eternal rat and warrant defendant, Gaz Jones, and uh, this week's show is all about the most glorious of genres. We're talking about 80s hair metal. Uh, we have returning guests from season one, Dean Lettuce, uh, counting down his all time top five album opening tracks from hair metal albums. Yes, mate. Uh, with Motley Crue and Def Leppard hitting uh, the stadiums this summer and Guns N' Roses all but confirmed for Glastonbury, uh, hair metal is going through a huge renaissance at the moment. Uh, but for me and Dean, <laughs> it never went away. Uh, so yeah, pour yourself a large Jack and Coke, grab that spandex and furiously backcomb that mullet. And uh, please enjoy my chat with Dean. And uh, I'll be back as ever on the flip side. Top five side ones. Track one, track one. You're listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, your host, Gaz Jones. The greatest. Each week, a guest picks their five favorite album opening tracks, and we dissect, discuss, and debate each one. The greatest. So let's put on our classics and have a little chat, then, shall we? And we are live, people, coming at you live from the Sunset Strip in downtown Hollywood. Is it Hollywood? I don't know. Uh, East Anglia. <laughs> East Anglia. That's that. That'll do. Well, I'm in color. Well, we're in Lincolnshire, aren't we? Oh shit! Yeah, we're all right. We're in Lincolnshire. Yeah. We are in Lincolnshire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, coming at you live from the Sunset Strip in um, Lincolnshire. <laughs> we have uh, returning guest. Um, Dean Lettuce, um, vocalist from the Infernal Sea. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. You? Yeah, not bad, mate. Uh, uh, today is uh, we're gonna do something a little bit different today because obviously Dean is obviously a returning guest from season one, and uh, today is all about hair metal. Now, Dean, I love hair metal. You love hair metal. Um, I think I think one of our first ever conversations when we met many many moons ago was I think. Uh, discussing the merits of what's the best cinderella album um so exactly right yeah (laughs) yeah the the best of cinderella yeah Yeah, so um i asked dean to pick his top five album opening tracks from hair metal albums and um dean very generously said that he's bang up for it so uh yeah for the next kind of 45 minutes or so it's going to be the sound of furious backcombing and uh, shredding, wailing guitar. So, uh, well, the shredding, wailing is from us to trying to fit into the uh, extremely <laughs> tight leggings <laughs> or jeans. Because <laughs> we've rolled yeah. off the podcast. Let's do it. Track number one. Where are we going, my friend? So I'm going to go. First track is Pretty Boy Floyd. Uh, with mm. the great track Leather Boys with Electric Toys, uh, obviously <laughs> with Z as well. Um, I love how they actually replace all the S's with Z's in most of these bands. Mm. Um, just 
that's just a hair metal thing, isn't it? You know you're onto a winner. Enough's enough. Yeah. All of this yeah. sort of stuff. Just throw yeah. in Z's, you know, and it's you know it's gonna be great. But um Exactly. Guaranteed million seller. <laughs> yeah. Pretty boy Floyd. I can't remember how I discovered them. I, I don't know if it was um on just some like hair metal compilation where it was like hundred hair metal bands, you know, mainly mm. starting off with Motley Crue and then just getting more and more obscure and shitter as the whole compilation <laughs> went on. But I actually Wonderful. found that actually the worst bands at the tail end of it were actually some of my favorites um and pretty boy floyd i think were on there and so i checked out their album and you know the album cover is just fantastic it's just them towering over probably the sunset strip like firing lightning bolts and whatnot from their guitars <laughs> but um and the the singer's called like steve sex summers so you know you're onto a winner there as well but um yeah leather boys with electric toys is exactly what it is it's them singing about themselves being leather boys with electric toys and saying how, how rock and metal they are you know um yeah it's a great album if if you know anyone listening to this hasn't actually heard the album um i would recommend because rock and roll is going to set the night on fire toast of the town um rock and roll outlaws your mama won't know classics um <laughs> it's, it's just a really good album i love the cover I love the way they look. I actually went to see them. Um, oh, wow. played at the Underworld. This probably this would have been around about 2002, 2003, when kind of all them hair metal bands were coming to the UK. So you were getting mm. Bullet Boys and you're getting Faster Pussycat, uh, LA Guns, Pretty Boy mm. Floyd and stuff. So I managed to see quite a few of them. Enough's Enough actually were one of them as well. Um, yeah, I managed to see quite a few of them play at the uh, at the Underworld. It was fantastic. But um yeah, they came on stage and uh obviously this was released in 89 and this is a uh, you know 20 odd years later and they were looking a bit worse for wear but um <laughs> but they, they were great to be honest really really good um you know just smashed out all the hits and yeah it was a good night yeah it was that funny period at, um just kind of before like the darkness kind of brought classic rock back into the mainstream kicking and screaming yeah. There was that period, like 2000, 2001, 2002. I don't know who it was that was working at the Underworld, but they it just seemed like week in, week out, they were all playing the Underworld. Like I remember Adler's Appetite yeah. always seemed to play like the Underworld at the time. And yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was something that, I don't know, like at the time I was, I was so kind of, I don't know, entrenched in, in trying to get my head around new metal and trying to convince myself that, hey, this is actually quite good. But it wasn't. It was a, 99% of it was utter shit. Yeah. Let's be absolutely honest about this. I, I was sort of really surprised at the time that a of these bands were still going, and I just remember thinking how how like gnarly and cool it must have been to go on and seen these bands at like somewhere like the Underworld, which is almost like the perfect kind of venue for these bands to play. It's just sleazy, dark, and horrible. I mean, Pretty Boy Floyd are kind of I mean they're just pure Sunset Strip, you know, massive Kiss influence. Yeah. Like, you know, big choruses with woes and yeahs. And uh, I mean, you know, best song title of the whole movement. It's got to be Let the Boys with Electric Toys. All the cliches. All the cliches are in there. If you're going to play cliche bingo. (laughs) That's in there. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, the lyrics are just great as well. I mean, you know, they're not going to win any awards, but. That wasn't uh, the point. No. We're Leather Boys with Electric Toys. We're making noise tonight. We're making noise tonight. We're making noise tonight. 
I love, I love, <laughs> here we come, a rocking like a wall of sound, line them up, stack them up and knock them down. Little girls all in a row, screaming, cock, rock, shock, pop. Fantastic. <laughs> I, That's something Chaucer would be proud of. <laughs> Certainly. Shakespeare's <laughs> turning in his grave. But yeah, right. <laughs> we're black on black, we're a sex attack. We're the bullet boys, we're rocking with the sonic blast. But it doesn't the even rhyme. It doesn't even it doesn't even rhyme, but it's great. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't rhyme, and they're not the bullet boys. Um, no. <laughs> if the bullet boys wrote this, then that would be. That'd be awesome. That'd be, that'd yeah. be great, right? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it's Pretty Boy Floyd's kind of biggest claim to fame, but obviously their name, Pretty Boy Floyd, was a, a direct influence on Ugly Kid Joe being called Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but I'm yeah. sure you did. Of course yeah. you did. Fuck it all. It's a wonderful game you can play with like Googling like hair metal bands and just clicking on the image, doing an image search and uh, trying to differentiate between band to band. Because by this point, because this was like 89, this was 89 it yeah. was so oversaturated and sort of verging on cartoon, Yeah, I guess. Would 89, you would have had Killer Dwarves and... You know, a yeah. lot of that milk around that time where it was slow, mm. you know, starting to come into the 90s. But as you say, like a lot of bands that were quite comical around that time, Ugly Kid Joe were doing quite the comedy thing. Um, mm. You know, and then obviously that led on to Green Jelly, you're not really hair metal, but you know, that whole comedy <laughs> style of stuff was coming yeah. in, wasn't it? So, I, no, I, exactly. I, yeah, it was very oversaturated with bands just trying to take over what Motley Crue did. For better or for worse, but. Uh, even like all of these bands, you could pick any band from like the late eighties period. And they all had like one, at least one fantastic song. Yeah. yeah they all did, you know, you know, pick a name out of a hat, you know, faster pussycat, whoever. What was the first hair metal album you remember hearing? I think the first hair metal album that I would have heard would have been something like Bon Jovi. Um, probably would have been his self-titled first album or, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, the hits. But I had a friend at school that used to love Bon Jovi, so he was, like, massively into him. Um, and, you know, he, he'd always be playing Living on a Prayer and, you know, Bad Medicine and Runaway and all that sort of stuff. So I think commercially it would have been that. Um, but as I mentioned before on the last podcast, I think um, I, I grew up with rock and that with my dad and, you know, so White Snake would have probably been another one um you know if they're, they're on the verge of hair metal and they they're within that bracket i suppose more rock i guess but you mm. know coverdale had the big head in the end he certainly did by the he certainly did by like not when by the time 1987 came out and especially sip of the tongue yeah and, and 1987 would have been what you know kind of started drawing me in but mm. yeah it would have been bon jovi he would have been the gateway into it i think um and then obviously you pick up on kiss and you know motley crew and the, and the big names guns and roses and stuff like that yeah, of course and again you know they're they're loosely hair metal they're they're kind of on the verge of yeah. you know they have the influences or they were within that scene but they broke out and did their own thing whilst the other bands kind of just stagnated and you know disappeared into obscurity unfortunately but yeah i think that would be it and then it wasn't really until much later i mean i, I picked up on a lot of them bands but it, it wasn't until much later till i really delved into it and started you know going into the dregs of hair metal and and, dis- and unearthing these i say dregs in a in a, an affectionate way like and just unearthing all these unknown bands that i hadn't heard of you know i'm just like wow like 
say dirty looks killer dwarves um mm. shout um mm. treat all of these bands you know are just <laughs> really good stuff that i hadn't heard of uh, you know mm. um, so yeah it just spiraled from there because as you say like they all had a decent song but most of the bands sounded the same so if you liked one you'd yeah. probably like three or four of the others of the same ilk mm-hmm. because they had the yeah. same sort of yeah. uh, structure to all their songs, the way that, you know, everything was, it yeah. was just really similar. So you were kind of like, yeah. well, yeah, I like these, but I like them and I like them, you know, onto a winner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's a really good way of looking at it, actually. Uh, track number two, mate. So track number two, I'm going to go for Danger, Danger. Um, yeah. And the track is Naughty, Naughty um i like that they use the same words twice and everything danger danger are great danger danger do not give a fuck about innuendos there's no hiding it bcdc you know they just go full on i mean they have a track called i slipped her a big one uh, or slipped her the big one and it's like you know exactly you know exactly what they're talking about and it's fantastic they just basically do not give a shit um they are just yeah they're just naughty naughty shall we just say that but yeah <laughs> that, that whole album is just fantastic um and again they they only really did a couple of good albums i think like mm. um screw it the second one is fantastic as well um has a lot of you know a lot of the classics on there but i mean here you've got like bang bang uh boys yeah. with boys you know turn it up live it up one step from paradise under the gun they're all great like yeah. they just sound fantastic the thing i love about hair metal is the vocals as well like um obviously being a vocalist i, I really sort of follow that and the the style of vocals in hair metal is just ridiculous like there's some great singers out there that you know whether they go from the high-end range falsetto to to whatever to crooning and whatnot but they're kind of they are one of the bigger bands but they're not a band that everybody seems to know um, no really remember they are quite obscure but like I say, they're one of the named bands, you know, from yeah. the hair genre. So, yeah, I, I discovered these quite late, uh, and I'm glad I did, to be honest, because, yeah, they're just fantastic. But, again, this is another one from 1989, I think. Um, I mean, do you think the whole scene had kind of gone too pop by this point? Like, say hair metal, I don't know, for argument's sake, it started with, I don't know, like Too Fast for Love or something like that, which was... You know, regardless of whatever your opinion may be of Motley Crue now, I mean, back then it was just, it was gnarly as fuck. And it obviously took those kind of kiss and sweet and glam influences, but there was dirt and grit under the fingernails and a needle hanging out the fucking arm, you know. Um, but, you know, fast forward to like 1989, um, with bands like Pretty Boy Floyd and Danger Danger et al., um, do you think it had kind of gone too pop? And you know, who do you think was kind of responsible for that? Would it have been like I don't know, bands like Poison hitting pay dirt? I'd say so. I mean, Poison were really the pop end, weren't they? I think you know, yeah. White Snake's nineteen eighty seven threw everything yeah, into the mainstream at that point. Bon Jovi was like one of the biggest selling, you know, names of that, and and Def Leppard as well. So maybe mm. they all wanted to capitalise on that and change tact and and go away from that sort of sleazy raw sort of punk vibe and into a more poppy mainstream vibe because actually 
once they transitioned into the more pop stuff, that's when they were getting all of the the singles on the radio. You know, Mr. B. Yeah, true. Hits, Extreme were having the hits. You know, yeah, there was, there was a balance pretty much on every one of these albums. Yeah. That yeah. most likely the record labels were like, look, you need a ballad. This is the one that's going to be the single, and it that's the ones that you know got them noticed and got them massive. Um, mm. You know, because how many how many um, hundred greatest ballads have you ever? Li- compilation cds if you owned or listened yeah. to you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean what, I mean, what, what do you think about ballads that was gonna be one of my questions but this is kind of like the perfect time to bring it up really um everywhere says it's thorn more than words i'll be there for you um love bites uh, is this love i ain't gonna lie mate all those songs i've just reeled off that's a hell of a fucking playlist <laughs> i'm not gonna lie is it it, it <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm very partial to a to a ballad. I think they're great. Like they have yeah. their place. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I think they work really well. I know everyone's like, oh, it's cheesy, blah blah blah. But it was the eighties. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly right. What would you expect? I want some dude that looks like a woman singing some cheesy fucking love song, <laughs> some ballad. At us. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm glad we're singing from the same hymn sheet because I I never had an issue with them and nine times out of ten would like i don't know say poison for example i'm pretty sure well, the first poison song i would have heard in fact it, it definitely was because it was on now 14 my mum bought it and it was every rose has its thorn um i remember that the, the following track was need you tonight in excess nice. <laughs> brilliant Th- that was the first poison song i heard um i think pretty sure the first extreme song i heard was more than words you know but it got me into these bands. And then, I, and then I heard more than words. I, someone at school did me a copy of Porn or Graffiti. What's the first song on there? Decadent Stars. I was like, fuck, is this the same band? You know, straight yeah. out of the gates, banging just glorious hair metal. Well, you wouldn't expect a band that did um, more than words um, yeah. to then do He-Man Woman Hater, you know? No, exactly. Get the funk like, out. and yeah. yeah, exactly. So like you say, yeah. it sounds like a completely different band. When yeah you're like, hang on a minute so yeah it does draw yeah. you you know you hear them tracks and then you go out and buy them albums but then yeah. get completely blown away that boy these these lads can sing they can shred yeah. they, they can got write. chops man yeah yeah you know, they yeah, that, yeah they, they, they can do a hook it, it was just a wonderful time that this kind of music it, it crossed over to the point of maybe that's where it crossed over so much that that's what resulted in the oversaturation i guess yeah that like um, I mean, I don't know, pick any scene, be that Britpop, new metal, grunge, or whatever. As soon as a, a, a one band hits payday of a particular sound, to those who have been a fly on the wall in the mid to late 80s at the Roxy or the Whiskey, just night after night, A&R men coming in and just signing whoever happens to be on stage that night. Yeah, they would and, have gone uh, mental when they just literally yeah. up everybody. Yeah, because because again back back then back then there was en- there was endless supplies of cash as well because yeah. people were still buying albums. Yeah. You know, there was insane amount of money in the industry. I think the industry caught on a little bit too late though because you know you think eighty nine ninety was when mm. you were getting the tail end of them bands from the hair metal scene and a lot mm. of the labels were signing them up. But then obviously grunge nirvana hit around about 91 didn't they and that's it it was just kind of killed it so you had a few hangovers in around about 91 they released a few good albums like you know like nelson or tough for example yeah, uh, yeah. tough 
um, what comes around is such a good album but obviously mm. it dropped in around about i'm not sure it was 91 and it just it just died it was, it was the wrong time nobody wanted that anymore you know but i think if they'd come three or four years earlier then it would have mm-hmm. been perfect for them but yeah i do i do feel like the industry caught on a little bit too long when they too late when they were signing everybody up you know what i mean track three dane uh, so track three i'm gonna go for taiketo forever young so i saw danny vaughan um supporting i think it was journey in london oh wow um and he wow. just did acoustic um so it was just him um and he was really good i really liked him uh, i really liked his voice because like i say i'm I'm, mm. I'm quite attracted to like the sound of singers um his voice is incredible yeah and he has got a great voice and um yeah, that's, that's kind of where I discovered him. So I think I picked up a CD at the time of his solo material, and then I delved a bit deeper and realised that he fronted Taketo. And so I picked up that album um, and just fell in love with it. Like, Taketo are great. Don't Come Easy is just a really good album. Like I said to you the other day, like, they fall within the hair metal bracket, but they probably are a little bit more hard rock because this album's got very much a journey sound to it um production wise and just the way the, the the song structures are but um it's really good forever on forever young is just a, a beautiful track and yeah the whole album is it just really flows really well rock banger after rock banger but um yeah i really like them they don't really get um the credit they deserve um no. and to be honest i think they released something else after this maybe one or two albums but it, it was never at the the height of don't come easy um mm it seems like they were a bit of a one album wonder but um yeah they they seem to um get forgotten about really which is a real shame because there's some real talent there um mm. there really is um i actually saw somebody the other day i bumped into someone at work wearing a taketo hoodie and i was no like way. yeah i was like dude you you do not see a taketo hoodies and he just laughed that, <laughs> that instant like connection between two people yeah yeah he was just like yeah it's cool isn't it and i was like yeah man that's sick right. <laughs> yeah. the person that's ever acknowledged his taketo hoodie like, I, I know right he was probably more yeah yeah he was probably more in shock than you mate I was like what yeah <laughs> i was just like oh man that's sick so that's unbelievable yeah um i mean i mean this was like this was 91 kind of you know the hair metal's last stand really yeah. um i mean i i would call them hair metal because i think it's quite blues based but i don't think it's that far removed from say i don't know white lion yeah no, that kind of stuff and you know obviously i, and I class white lions are hair metal bands but like but there were so many great you know never mind the, the big releases of 91 be that you know use your illusion the black album etc you know there was some great stuff like uh yeah was white lion main attraction was brilliant uh the throbs yeah. Uh, only album um, was fantastic. Like Tesla, recent good stuff. Then Junkyard's second album, as yeah. uh, it six and sevens and nines, fucking incredible. Was Jackal around uh, there as well? Uh, yes, yeah, Jackal was around at the time. Was obviously Pornography. I think it was the year before, but they started getting traction in '91. And all these bands literally got dropped. Uh, all the bands that I listen, you know, White Lion, Tesla. So I think that virtually all of them were, were like signed to Geffen. I think. I think maybe Sea Hags was around this time. Maybe that was a bit earlier, but there was so much yeah, fucking yeah. good stuff. There's so much good stuff, and yeah, his um, was it uh, Danny, Danny Vaughan, Danny Vaughan, yeah, uh, that classic kind of, just a proper classic rock voice. That's so cool. You got to see him supporting Journey, like it, it, again, yeah, like you said, it's such an underrated band, but, but it was just they were a few years too late. 
Yeah. It was such yeah. a shame. And like all them bands you just reeled off, you know, most of them delivered like a killer album. Yeah, man. Dropped. So the fact that they've released one great album and then, you know, I, I know most, some of them released more albums, but they yeah. released a banger of an album in 91 and then that was it. Yeah. It's a pretty good way to to release something, isn't it? And just be like, well, here you go. Well, at least we've released the yeah. main attraction or we released Don't Come Easy or whatnot, you know. Um, mm. Whatever Tesla's one was, Mechanical, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mechanical oh, Supper. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. As a pretty good statement to be made, but mm. um, yeah, no, he, he, he was great. I, I did catch Taketa as well at the Underworld um, mm-hmm. quite a few years later, um, and that they were yeah they were great there as well. Um, I, I was really pleased to have seen them. I saw they were they're, they're playing Nottingham, or they're supposed to be, but they've cancelled the tour, um, which is annoying. Uh. Um, I think I might go and catch them again when they do. Um, I can go with that mate with the hoodie. <laughs> Yeah, it's just great. And I, and I think more people should just give this album a listen, really. Um, mm-hmm. I think Forever Young was quite a big hit for them as well. Yeah, um, it was, yeah. And I th- I, to be honest, I think that was probably the only one that was a massive hit on that album. But yeah, the rest of the songs were just great. Um, so yeah, highly recommend them. Out of the plethora of bands that we've already spoken about, I mean, who, who, who do you think was like the best like singles band of the era? Because so many of them were like, they were like legitimate singles, like pop hits. Do you know what I mean? Like all, all these bands that had songs in the charts. Yeah. They um, with, you know, with glossy videos, you know, with fast cars and faster women and all that bollocks. You know, you had the prolific ones like Bon Jovi and Def yeah. Leppard were just sort banger of, off the banger. Yeah. yeah. They were just constant. But then you yeah. had, you know, Motley Crue again was just hits yeah. after hits. Yeah. Um, the ones that they really, really pushed, the record labels pushed and MTV pushed, were the ones obviously that were most noted. But yeah, it's it's difficult because a lot of them did, but the, a few of them only had like a couple of hits here and there, didn't they? I mean, Mr. Big were another big one that had. Yeah, right. yeah, Mr. Big definitely. Um, I put I put Rat in there. I think Rat. Rat would be in there. Yeah. Fantastic singles. I love Rat. Um, I love Rat. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. I don't care. I fucking yeah. love rat. <laughs> round and round is a tune. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Like, You're in love. Yeah, yeah. Who else in the big ones? Um, I'm gonna uh, block poison, them. obviously. Poison, yeah, definitely up there. Um, Extreme and Warren. Um, yeah, yeah. Follow White Snake. White Snake had tons. Um, yeah, no. I think most of that album was released as singles. <laughs> yeah, but then you had other bands that are not necessarily hair metal, but like Foreigner, which is Churning yeah out bangers just, like them yeah. bands were still going and just really um mm. you know um dropping hits left right and center what's the next song we're going to talk about mate so i've picked the next song i picked is just so fucking ridiculous um, <laughs> it just ha- this, this is this is the song why nirvana had to happen <laughs> exactly <laughs> this, this, this is the song and band that absolutely destroyed hair metal because as soon as it yeah. came out everyone just went this is a joke uh, i choose nitro and freight train um so nitro for people that don't know nitro were the most ridiculous band ever they had jim <laughs> gillette on vocals who had the biggest hair that i've yeah. ever seen like he he must have been brushing that back for months to get it with so much volume um, <laughs> and like he, he had the most ridiculous falsetto voice like yeah. it i swear it's a higher pitch than King Diamond itself, which is high. Yeah. You know? So yeah, yeah, yeah he's ridiculous. I'm sure he set that record, didn't he, where they they put his voice through a speaker and it shattered glass. Yeah. 
Glass, yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, and then obviously they had um Michelangelo Batia, um, which was mm. the most ridiculous. I'm gonna say ridiculous <laughs> a lot because Nitro is really virtuoso <laughs> um, guitarist. Um <laughs> He had that guitar that was literally two necks joined together, wasn't it? And it just... Yeah. <laughs> it's a strange <laughs> And his hair, I think, was probably even bigger yeah. than Gillette's. It was, yeah. So the guitarist in um, The Infernal Sea said that Batio actually came to um, his school in March. No fucking March. <laughs> yeah, he saw Batio wow. in, in March, of all places. That is what? unbelievable. So Nitro went from the Sunset Strip to the Fenland town. Of to Mark. the Fenland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, hope played, I hope he played Machine Gun Eddie and was just like. But their videos were just just stupid. Like the whole look was was everything ramped up to 11. It was like the spinal tap of hair metal. Yeah. There, there are, as talking to you before we came on here, um, Nitro is a really difficult listen. You've really got to be in the mood for it. Um, yeah. Because if you're not, I, I actually played it to my brother the other day. He hadn't heard it and he swears, well, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. He was kind of like, I love it. It's so bad. It's great. And I was like, yeah, what, mm. what more do you need to say to it? It's, it's, exactly. oh shit, it's fantastic. But, um, it's it's not the opener, but the um, I think it's on Machine Gun Eddie. That he holds a note. Um, Ginger that holds this note that just goes on for like a minute. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. And, it's just, and then then he actually changes pitch halfway through, and it's <laughs> like without breaking. And it's just like, how does this guy do this? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really like Nitro. I don't remember Nitro back in the day. My first kind of exposure to well it wasn't really an exposure to them it's an exposure to um to michelangelo not the painter or the ninja tell <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't think it was ever shown in this country but i discovered i discovered this amazing show online and then kind of scoured the darkest recesses of the internet to like find torrents of it to download there was a show on um, american vh1 called that metal show Yes. About ten years ago. And like each episode, um, they'd they'd have like a guest guitarist or a guest drummer or a guest bass player, you know, put play, playing at playing out to commercial break kind of thing, you know, going willy 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 or you know, drummer going doo 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 And uh, yeah, Michelangelo was one of them and he had like the double necked guitar. I, I was just watching him just like who is who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> You know, still looking exactly the same, just a bit, a bit chunkier. The Malmsteen route. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you give up cocaine. I'm led <laughs> to believe. <laughs> and just, just watching this guy, you know, p- p- playing in and out of commercial break, just, just going more and more outrageous with each time they went back to him. And you know, like Google search later. Oh, of course he was in a band. I thought it was. was is this is like I don't know. If you order Steve Vai off Wish dot com, that's what turns out. <laughs> <It's> so true. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the Poundland fucking Newnham Bettingport, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listened to the album for like the first time today, um, and it was what, it was a heart. No, I knew oh, this what? song. I, I knew yeah. this song. I yeah. knew this song. 
and it, it, it was a tough fucking listen, man. That <laughs> that production is fucking awful. There's no bass in it. Yep. Um, but this song it is it, it is absolutely ridiculous. Goes to eleven <laughs> beyond cliche, beyond explanation. So you've been hit with a freight train. I got a freight yeah. train coming. <laughs> It's, it's just so ridiculous. And it's the harmonised woes as well, isn't it? Like, oh, my God, what? yeah. It's just like harmonises everything. That, like, ridiculous pitch it's every time. Ridiculous. It's, it's, it, it's, it's too much. But, like, the, the scene is a better place with yeah. this because, for you know, for better or for worse, whether you love Nitro or fucking hate Nitro, you will remember Nitro. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, the, the thing that makes me laugh about them is that no matter how much talent you have, doesn't mean mm. you can write good songs. Like, yeah. You can play guitar, <laughs> and boy, they cannot write any good songs. But that was the thing. Like, a lot of these bands were getting signed because they had a shit-up guitarist and a singer that could go, wow! But they don't have any fucking songs. The second album, um, which was HWDWS, there's some good songs on there. They do a pretty terrible cover of Cat Scratch Fever. But um oh God. the the production on that is yeah. is a hundred times better. Um if you've not heard that one, definitely give that one a listen. Um okay. <laughs> it, it will it's not as great in as the other album. Um and Jim Gillette did a solo album as well, um, which is really great in because <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. And like I say, oh it's God. like yeah. King Diamond ramped up to a hundred and yeah, even uh, I bet even King Diamond's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? But yeah, <laughs> Jim Gillette now um, shouldn't take the mick out of him really. Jim Gillette now is like super fucking hench, isn't he? He's like a he's bit he's he a bit yeah. yeah. He was um, he was married to Lita Ford, wasn't he, for ages? Oh really? What was yeah. it? Was that after? Was that after Tony Iommi? Or? Yeah, it may have been. Yeah. So yeah, should we uh, go on to your final choice, mate? Because it, it, we're essentially just going to be talking about a band. Yes. <laughs> final choice, because you, you, you know, you've used players' privilege and you know, brought in your own rules. But I'm absolutely cool with that because we're now going to spend the next sort of five to ten minutes talking about, for me, the best band of the whole Hamel era. Certainly the most consistent flawless body of work four albums four for four they're all classics as far as i'm concerned yeah who are we talking about dean uh cinderella so yes we cinderella, are um I-, I wanted to add them on the list because i'm the same as you i absolutely love cinderella um mm. something about them they've just got everything they sort of no. encapsulate the whole movement um in their sound you know they've got the blues they've got their mm hair metal sleaze to them they've got the look they've got um the feel of the genre they've mm. just got everything like they look the part you know they look fucking fantastic on and night songs you know when you see them all on that cover um yeah they just look great you know what i mean um and to be honest i can't pick one good opener for them so i basically picked every single one um, <laughs> <laughs> or four albums so night songs uh bad seamstress blues falling apart the seams um the more things change and then bad attitude shuffle um mm. bad attitude shuffle that album actually um 
still climbing is yeah. the one that I don't know that well. Um, it's a good album. It's a really good album. It is. Um, mm. You know, I've listened to it a fair few times, but because it was the one that was slightly harder to get hold of, yeah, um, I've so not absorbed it. Not absorbed it as much as the others. Um, mm. Like night songs is and night songs the um yeah night songs is is my favorite like oh okay like, I I love that album um but yeah it, they're just great like I love Kiefer's voice um he's got that really sort of like New Orleans sort of drawl to it you know mm. what I mean like he's mm. got that sort of Bon Scott um and Brian Johnson sort of rasp to it as well yeah um, yeah. But he's just a really good singer, um, really captures the sort of emotion of all the songs um, and gives it that bit of gruff. Um, and like I say, you just look at them. They look like, you know, if you said anything wrong, they're going to kick your head in whilst wearing yeah, their right. stilettos and God knows what. <laughs> um, yeah, they just, they kind of, I'm not hugely into bands that throw in the blues uh, I'm not I'm not really into the blues, but like I like White Snake and their blues influence. And you know, there's a fair few bands in the genre that I do like where they, mm-hmm. they take elements of the blues and put it in. The Cinderella exception because they are very, very bluesy, and actually on the, the next few albums they did, they kind of did that a lot more. Yeah. Uh, but it just works really, really well. Like I say, it, it's got that sleaze to it. Um mm. and yeah, that swagger. They're just they're just perfect. They're, they're the perfect hair metal band for me um did you ever see them uh no never saw cinderella uh they played i remember that they played uh donnington was it 2009 the classic rock day yeah uh and i yeah the lineup that day i'll I'll always regret it because it was like that that was like cinderella's first uk gig in over 30 years or something yeah, i think it was, it was. uh like you know uh, skin reformed for that gig and you know i'm a h- yeah. huge skin fan um i can't remember who played like white snake um was it zz top it was ridiculous yeah. journey i think you know yeah 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 it was great you know I, cinderella will, will always i mean what we were talking about earlier in regards to like you need more than a sh- just a shit up guitarist and a great singer. You know, Tom Kiefer had not only an amazing voice and looked cool as fuck, uh, was hard as nails, yeah. but he was also an amazing blues guitarist and an amazing songwriter. And the best Cinderella songs, which is, well, all of them, they didn't write a bad song. Yeah. Um, but the Premier League ones have hooks for days. Yeah, and I'll never get bored of hearing Gypsy Road. No, never. Gypsy Road's great. You know, not in the same way as you know. I, you know, I quite happily never hear Sweet Child of Mine ever again, yeah. or something like that. Uh, I'll never. And I was listening through some of the back catalogue stuff today, and like the um, the more things changed when that kicks in, I, I hear that, and I'm like, why can't the fucking Rolling Stones sound like that? <laughs> Why does everyone rave about the Stones, right? But then bands who obviously massively influenced by the Stones, but have taken it to the absolute next level for me in terms of their playing and their chops and their kind of songwriting abilities, just get ignored. Yeah. Routinely get ignored. Or, yeah, or not kind of given the respect they deserve. I mean, you know, I, I do think that like the cover 
as in the the out the out, the cover sleeve to like night songs i don't think did did them any favors no because they they weren't that sort of they looked like poison on that cover they're not fucking poison there was something a lot more kind of earthy and like grit under the fingernails a bit more street i wonder if that their was, sounds i wonder if that was because they were they were being managed by bon jovi around that yeah they were yeah 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 i'm sure that had a lot to do with it I'm sure it did. I, I mean, it was. Their, I mean, it didn't do him any favors. I, I think Night Songs was their biggest selling album in America. So yeah, you know. Um, I mean, Night Songs is just is just great for me. Uh, it, it says here actually that he wrote all of the songs, which is insane. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, Night Songs, Shake Me, Nobody's Fault, yeah. Looking for Nothing, uh, Somebody Save Me. Yeah, Hell on oh. Wheels, Push yeah. Push, uh, oh. In from the Outside. Yeah. Just, it's just so fucking good. Yeah, um, yeah, and I mean even the later albums, um, like "Love's Got Me Doing Time," "Hot and Bothered." I always loved "Hot and Bothered." Yeah. I think that might have been the first Cinderella song I heard because it was on the Wayne's World soundtrack. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Another ballad. Yeah, great. Shell, uh, uh, shelter me. Yeah. Come on, you know, yeah. like the best song Rod Stewart never wrote. You know, <laughs> actually, no, fuck that, fuck Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Um, but did you ever get to? Did you ever see Cinderella? I did. Yeah, twice. Yeah. Um, Fuck you. Yeah, I saw. Um, I saw him at that Donington. Um, nice. And they were incredible. Kiefer yeah. came strutting out, and I was just like, "Yes, this man yeah. still got it." Um, yeah. Yeah. They were they were ph- phenomenal, and then um, they did a London show probably a year or two later, maybe. Okay. Um, I think that was pretty much it. That was the last they did before they kind of yeah. But um, it again, that was at the Odeon, Hampstead Odeon, or whatever nice. it's called now. But um, yeah, they were phenomenal, um, and his voice sounded great considering he had you know was it lymph nodes and kind of yeah. Well, he was told he it was told like he wouldn't sing again. You know, yeah. at the time. That's why there's that massive gap between Heartbreak Station and Still Climbing. Yeah. I think there was like a four year gap, I think, between them, maybe something like that. But he still sounds great, you know, even after that. Like, I don't think it's really changed the register of his voice. Um, No. no. He's probably actually learned how to sing better after this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they can preserve his voice. His his solo album from, God, it must have been about five years ago now. It, It was fantastic. It was a Cinderella album in all but name. Yeah. It's just a shame they don't really get on, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but then there's the argument, you know, that they wouldn't really be that relevant now. Um, um I mean they'd just be a heritage they'd be a heritage yeah. band. That they, they could quite easily slip on that lot on on the bill for for the Motley Crew Death Leopard tour. Yeah. Easily. You know, well, yeah, it'd be amazing. Pick off Motley Crew and um stick Cinderella on. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I, I personally don't have an issue with, with like these heritage bands. I mean, I've said about it on the podcast quite a bit in the past. Um, you know, I, I'm all for bands reforming. You know, they don't make any fucking money from album sales anymore. So why not just get out there and uh, do yeah. some gigs, you know? People, there, there, there's an, you know, there's an audience. I mean, now, now even more than ever, Jesus Christ, people want to see fucking gigs, man. I don't see an, a, an issue being, you know, a heritage bands. I, my issue starts is when these so-called heritage bands want to release it, you know, new music. Cause I can't think of a single one, which has been 
well, that's as good as their original stuff. Nah. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm nervous about Guns N' Roses album. I hope it doesn't happen. I really yeah, do. That, you know, that single they released was awful. I, I didn't mind. I, I quite like the second one. Was it a hard school? That was quite yeah. good. Um, but it, I don't know. It's millionaire rock star vanity projects. No one, no one cares. Yeah. You know, is there going to be anyone at a Guns N' Roses gig that comes out at the end and goes, oh man, they didn't play hard school. I'm gutted. <laughs> you know, people aren't going to care. They're going to go because they want to hear Paradise City. To be or, honest, if, if, somebody does, yeah. if somebody does come out and says, oh man, they didn't play hard school, then they need to be headbutted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a slap coming your way. Where? <laughs> About two seconds. I bet you like St. Anger. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a conversation all the time, mate, but I really like St. Anger. So. What? <laughs> I think that's a decent way to finish, mate, after that St. Anger bombshell. Yeah. Yeah, we just ruined the ruined the episode. <laughs> that was great. We went from hair metal to uh to yeah. anger the the logical <laughs> conclusion to any conversation about nitro danger danger and cinderella yeah and to nice one well i'm gonna go and hoover up massive amounts of cocaine and uh go and hang out with some porn stars dean nice. you take I'm care gonna, my friends yeah i'm gonna uh go shoot up and um uh, make a sex tape uh, on a boat uh, with Tommy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> they just, sh- they- <laughs> they just showing off. There we go. Always a pleasure to have a narrow bait is right with someone who's obs- obsessed about it as I am and always will be. So yeah, nice one. Cheers, Dean. Nice one, dude. And uh, please check out the uh, the playlist by clicking on the Spotify link in the show notes and I guarantee you will disappear down a Brett Michael shaped wormhole and you will be all the better for it. Come on. Would I lie to you? And so, uh, yeah, thanks again for all the listens, the shares, the likes, the reposts, and the love you show this little project. Um, it really means a lot. Nice one, guys. And, uh, yeah, so I'm out of here. Please take care of each other. And I'm off to gorge on Cinderella's back catalogue. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you again soon. Fuck the Tories. I'll be back here in a bit. Peace. Top five side ones. Side ones. Track one. You've been listening to the Track One Side One podcast your host, Gaz Jones. Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter by searching for Track One Side One Podcast to keep fully up to date with all future guests. And there will also be Spotify playlists linked to each episode. So please check all that out and I'll see you soon.